Hi, I'm Damon Frank, and you're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a recovered life discussion about creating your weekly sober game plan and strategies on how to live your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now, let's jump into the discussion. Welcome to Recovered Life Discussions. My name is Damon Frank. I'm joined by my co-host today, Christina Dennis. Every week we come to you with a Recovered Life discussion about planning your sober week. Every week we do this. Uh, One of my uh, favorite Recovered Life discussions of the week, Christina, I don't know about you, but I, I love this one because it sets us out right. It sets us on the right path to, you know, really have the recovery that we want and deserve. Sure does. So I wanted to welcome everybody to the discussion. Uh, We're going to dive into it here real quick. Uh, You know, just a couple rules with the Recovered Life discussions. We just ask if you come up and share, you just use your first name. Um, And because we record this, uh, you know, we just ask that you do your first name. This is replayed on the podcast and here on uh, Clubhouse. Uh, We also ask that uh, you be kind and loving in your comments. That's really it. Those are are really the ground rules. I see some familiar faces uh, here today, so I'm very excited to hear what you guys have to say. So Christina, tell me about your week. What do you have planned? What is, what's up with your sober week? Sure. Well, it's it's starting right now. I uh, am very, very happy. And, and you asked a question earlier if this is one of my favorite rooms. And it really is because uh, I take the time, you know, our priorities are are definitely solidified where we spend time. And uh, I have to say, since we've started doing this discussion, it feels it feels good to be a little less arbitrary. I, um, I have some really great discussions planned in this uh, room uh, coming up Tuesday and Wednesday. And of course I have my home group meetings. I've been around recovery for a while and I participate in 12 step groups. And uh, right now I, um, I'm going through the ACA loving parent, loving parent guidebook. And it is fantastic, painful but fantastic. And so those are my commitments. Um, so appreciate uh, that I have that kind of structure. And uh, I really want to focus um, on my grounding this week. I noticed last weekend through the weekend that I, I had had a what we call a takeover in the ACA program where Um, some wounds had taken over and I was struggling to connect my thoughts, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like it was pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it sometimes is, you know, stuff that I don't like to share because I've been around a while, but I know it's really important. And so for me, it's very important for me to have 
the two places that I go for 12-step meetings in addition to this because those people know me and I'm not leading the discussion, I'm just being part of it. And so I did a lot of work yesterday on uh, this concept, the takeover, and I'm really, really trying to work on this whole idea of loving all the parts of me, especially the messy parts or the parts that, that get tired and there's like an inner teenager that's out there trying to uh, represent and that's what they mean by takeover, you know, when a traumatized part of ourself takes over and it doesn't even have to be something that's super dramatic. It's, you know, in my case, it wasn't. Uh, it just ended up being, you know, something that I noticed the way I was looking at everything that I was, you know, easily frustrated and I needed to do some work is what it showed me. Yeah, I love that you shared that. Uh, you know, I'm having a similar situation. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily a takeover, but I actually today just did a little meditation before the room and I got out my notepad with a blank piece of paper and just started writing down some things, right? That I know that I want to work on that are just apparent to me. I don't even know if I want to work on them, just kind of what I'm feeling and thinking about certain things. You know, one of the things that, uh, I'm really focusing on this week is accountability. You know, uh, it, it was funny today. I was planning on waking up at a certain time. I wanted to wake up exactly at six. Right. And I found myself like at, you know, six forty-five, seven o'clock still in bed. Right. And I was super disappointed with myself because I've had a track record of being able to do it. And I just felt like it, didn't work out today. Right. And I feel like, you know, one of the things that came to me, one of the great things about being a coach, Christina, is that, you know, whether I'm doing the daily drink on our volley community or uh, I'm talking with people, right. That a lot of the things that other people are working on that I'm working on with other people is things that I struggle with myself. I think that's why I'm good at it is because I definitely understand what it's like. Right. And one of the things, one of the themes that have that's come up in the last couple of weeks, and we're going to dive into this in my unstuck room on Thursday, in that discussion, is this ability of taking back and steering the ship in certain areas of my life. So, for example, in recovery, we're always told, "Hey, you know what? Lack of power is our dilemma. Um, powerlessness and unmanageability." That's a hundred percent true, right? Like I. I found that to be the case, but there are some things where my higher power wants me to steer the ship on and, and waking up early is doing it. Right. And so I think for me, one of the things I've noticed is I go from my phone a lot in the morning, Christina. And one of the things that I'm going to start doing is removing my phone from the room and I'm going to start actually doing what I do with my high performance clients. I'm going to do it with myself is that I am going to start the day with a couple of quick wins because I find that a lot of the times is that I'll wake up and I already feel behind the eight ball and that makes it easier not to take massive action in the things that I can do. I feel like I've already lost. I'm looking at my email. Oh, I didn't do that. Or I got to do that. It's so easy to become overwhelmed. So it's the same thing with working the spiritual principles, right? It's like one little grain of sand at a time. And 
what I find is, is by having a couple quick wins, what are those? You know, making my bed. I went for a walk today. I did a couple of volleys. I did the daily drink. I've already won today. It's already, you know, a little bit past 9 a.m. here in Los Angeles. I already feel like I've won. I've already done something. I've achieved something, right? I've already made a step, a, a couple steps closer to where I want to be. And, you know, for me, it's really getting back to basics because I find, you know, Christina, you know me well, I go in these sprints and I'll work, 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 right? And I'll do things and achieve things. And then I'll have this like little slow down. So for me, it's like getting back to these basics, you know, making sure I have a couple quick wins before I ever set foot out the door and that I'm on that path of recovery. I get that. I totally get that. Yeah, absolutely. And and what we know about, because we do a lot of work on behavioral uh, techniques and what is actually success um, or how um, <clears throat> you achieve success, and it's the progress principle. And I know that's a term, you know, progress over perfection, but it really is the only, you know, um, foundational theory, you know, thought is to look and see what you've been able to do so that you can keep moving forward, that it's actually where the joy is. Yes, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. You know, my whole goal in 2022, my one of my main recovery joy uh, goals was to have fun, right? Is to enjoy my life day to day. So for me, you know, I don't look at my day or week as a success unless I was able to get some fun in there, right? Get, get some joy, get some happiness in there. Um, you know, that is so important when you're looking at, uh, you know, you know, get, you know, really looking at your best recovered life. Because I think so many times we become task oriented. I know I do. It's like, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do that. And soon I find myself back on the rat wheel. Right. And even if I win the rat race, I'm still a rat. So I don't want to be a rat. That's why I got, right. That's why I got into recovery is that I want to be able to be free. And the thing is, is that to be free, I have to unpin from that. I don't know if you've had that experience, Christina, but oh, it's sure. like you got it. You have to also live a life in between all of this stuff. So yep. easily people get into recovery and say, now I'm going to make up for lost time. And right. they're just executing and doing things all the time, but not having any fun. Right. Well, I mean, I, I, everybody's well aware. I know we have some new people, so I'll quickly share that I struggle with this as well. Um, and it has to do with my value of myself. And just getting comfortable <clears throat> healing the nervous system, getting comfortable with making that part of the goal and, and changing the paradigm um, for what really matters in life. And, uh, you know, we have to be honest. What really matters a lot of times to the world or, or our measurement is all about achievement. So um, it, it's really difficult to stop doing some of those things. And with my history, uh, my childhood trauma, and many people in recovery have gone through much worse things than me, but I definitely got the idea that I was, you know, capable, but I wasn't lovable unless I produced. And I even struggle with receiving. And so having that be part of my life plan has has got to to be important. Maybe it's something about turning 50, Damon, that we're 
both kind of going, okay, if I'm going to enjoy this life, what is a true life? Um, it's got to be fun. And, and maybe that's for new people in recovery seems like that's impossible. Um, you know, it certainly did to me when I first put down drinking, it felt crazy to this idea of having fun. But, you know, I knew somewhere inside of me that I really struggled with it. It's why I relied on alcohol. And so I, I want to say, without a doubt, I've had some definitely fun things happen to me the last couple of decades. <clears throat> but from the daily joy, really sitting in in my day and looking for joy throughout the day and and cultivating times where there's fun and there's peace and the relaxation that takes a little bit more time you know for me and so i love that that you say in your 2022 goals that you're going to continue to look for fun i mean it's we're halfway through the year so i'm totally curious what other people have planned for this week um sam absolutely hey how you doing sam good to see you Welcome to Recovered Life. Thanks. I came in a little bit late, but um, yeah. So you're just asking what I'm doing this week. Or are you asking me to talk on like fulfillment in my life? Anything you Everything. want. Yeah. Anything you want. You know, this, is, <laughs> this whole thing is just about plan your sober week. We talk about what we're working on in our recovery this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything along that topic. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, like bigger picture wise, I feel kind of like strange because I am like in the interview process for like getting a new job. Um, And at the same time, I feel like in a way that I can see like beyond that and like feel like it's not going to be like that is not where I'm going to find fulfillment for myself. But at the same time, it's like something that I like need and want to do. Um, I know it will like be fulfilling in, in some ways, but like, I don't think it's like, that's like it, Uh, like, it's not like the thing for me, um, which I guess is just like good to know and doesn't need to be a bad thing. But yeah, this week, um, I'm moving to New York on Thursday. So just like getting things together for that. And that's pretty much it it's like enough. Um, and yeah, grateful for this room and thank you. That's awesome. I love that you bring up that, you know, it's important to you, but it's not it. And that's like amazing to know. Um, cause that took me many years. I'm not going to lie. It took me many years, uh, for me to, to quit putting such uh, weight to what I did for a living. Um, or the things that I had. Um, I had a series where I really had to let go of a lot of material things due to some of the decisions. And they were that was painful. And so I so appreciate that you have that perspective already. And, you know, you're quite a bit younger than me and that you can look at it and say, oh, you know what, my, my value isn't there. But it doesn't mean it's bad. You know, it doesn't mean that it's bad or that working, you know, for a living or wanting to have success is wrong. It just means that it's not everything. And I wish you luck on your move. That That is a lot of intense emotions. And it's good that you're here checking in with your people and knowing um, 
And that's one of the reasons why Recovered Life exists is so that we can come and share what's happening in our lives and hopefully help somebody else who maybe hasn't gone through a move sober or, you know, hasn't hasn't quite got to the place where they're interviewing for jobs or, you know, is just starting out on this thing to realize that this is this is a, a process. It's an evolution. Absolutely. You know, I love what you were saying, Sam, about wanting it and being able to play full out with that, but also understanding, you know, I think the whole key, I think, especially to the first five years of sobriety is to understand that people, places and things aren't going to fix the situation, right? That it's deeper than that. And but it's an illusion, just like our ability to be able to drink, use drugs, be in codependent relationships. We thought it was one thing, but it actually was something else. And when you wake up that that was an illusion and many people wake up in the addiction space of like, wow, I really can't drink like my fellows. When you wake up from that illusion, you start to become aware that this illusion will pop up in different areas of your recovery. If only I get this job, then it's going to be okay. If only I get this relationship or this car or this house, whatever people place thing will just replace that, right? So it's really unpinning from that uh, is where we tr find true happiness, but yet still be able to play full out and do things day to day, right? So I really applaud you, Sam, really applaud you. Um, so guys, just to reset real quick the discussion, you're in the Recovered Life Room. Every week, Christina Dennis and myself come to you about planning our sober week. We talk about what we're doing with our week, some principles that have to do with recovery that we're working on. What are we struggling with? What are we doing, right? What are you doing? What are you struggling with? We want to kind of we want to hear from you. Chelsea, welcome to Recovered Life Discussions. How you doing? Good afternoon from Florida. Um, I'm doing good. Um, my recovery week, um, it's going to be different because I, um, in in spirit of rotation, I've given up a couple of my commitments, um, like at our last business meeting on Friday to a couple of people who have like 90 days and like really want to pick up some service commitments. So um, I had to hand over my keys cause I had that for the last two months to, um, open the doors for my home group. Um, and my, I was chairing a Thursday night meeting. So like, um, this week I'm just going to continue to go to those meetings that I've been going to, um, and just be of service by being there. So it's like an adjustment. <laughs> Because you you start to take like a little bit of ownership over your little roles, but then you have to remember like um, that there's other people that want to serve, you know. So um, I did that, and um, yesterday I went. Um, I drove a couple hours to St. Pete um, because the um, it's a Eastern Conference uh, Young People NAA. It's um, going to be hosted next year, so we had elections um for the host committee and i picked up an outreach position so i'm really excited about that um and there's an opening um 
at like a recovery center, like a grand opening um, in town. And um, the our um, our service committee here in Orlando, we're all gonna like go kind of together um, because it's like a, it's an all pathways kind of like recovery center for people to like host meetings at or like events and stuff like that. So we're gonna have an event there on the 25th, like a decades uh, dance through the decades event. So like my my um, sober week is like full of of a lot of AA <laughs> um, and a lot of like um, little service commitments and trying to um, mesh them in with my my normal life and try to make sure that I didn't overextend myself. <laughs> by joining uh, these two um, service committees. Um, but I'm really excited for what the future holds because I've never been on a host committee for a conference. Um, I've been on a bid committee where we've been bidding for conferences. Um, oh, no, that's not true. I was on a host committee, with, but we didn't end up having the conference because of COVID. Um, but anyways, yeah, I'm really excited for this week. Um, and I'm just going to stay committed to going to the meetings that I've been going to so that like, even though I'm not holding a position there, um, this month, I can pick it back up next month if nobody wants it. So yeah, I'm excited. Thanks guys. I love that Chelsea, you're such an example of doing service and it, it reminds me of, you know, of how much we get when we give, you know, that's one of those paradoxes in recovery. And I love that, um, that you come and you share about the inner workings of recovery. It, it has changed over the years. I can say that. And just your mention of a place that all paths are welcome warms my heart because I think that's also what we're trying to do with recovered life. And in these rooms is that all paths are welcome. And, uh, how lucky, I mean, I feel particularly lucky that I get to dedicate an hour a week to my recovery and share on it. I really, really do. And, you know, I was going to mention this and, oh, our birthday girl came up, Erwin. Happy birthday. I, um, one thing that I forgot to mention, I want to do it for accountability, Damon, is that I need to return to journaling. Um, that is what I discovered after my takeover. So um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Damon. Yes, journaling. Oh, I, I can't. You know, it's interesting. Volley has kind of taken over my journaling, Christina, because it's kind of like a, a record for me. You know, I'll, many people have shared this that I'm very dyslexic. So sometimes the process, the process of recovery was tough for me at the beginning because there was a lot of journaling there was a lot of writing there was a lot of stuff and you know i had one of those old school 12-step guys who wanted it all in hand he didn't want it typed he didn't want it right he didn't want any of that so it was really for me it was a huge struggle to do that you know what's been great about volley for me is i feel that i could do a process of that but use the skills that i've got uh, that i'm stronger in to be able to keep a record of things. Uh, Chelsea, I just have to mention one of the things that I love about you that is such the key. And if anybody's listening to this on a replay and they're struggling to stay sober 
and they really don't know what to do, just listening to your share, Chelsea, is you hold the secret right there. You plug yourself in to things and you're part of a group, right? You are in the middle of the pack. And that is so essential. You know, I, I did a volley this morning. Uh, actually, it was last week about trusting people. You know, uh, that's a hard thing for me. And I came in not wanting to trust people. And I found that, you know, I remember this guy telling me, he's like, you know, listen, you got to trust somebody sometime. And I think you by you just throwing yourself in the middle of this and figuring it out, it really strengthens your sobriety and it carries you along. And you could just hear it in your voice that you've got a you've got really great recovery. And I think it's really the secret, Christina. I mean, wouldn't you say to really, you know, like Chelsea's ability to just throw herself in the middle of it and do things? It's just amazing. So much healing that comes from that. It absolutely is. Um, and I, you know, Damon, I like that you brought this up, and I want to say this as well. You, finding what works for you as far as connection and sharing and what you're comfortable with. Sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes, you know, I've, I've worked with people, uh, certainly, who it was not their particular, uh, it wasn't the best form of communication to journal. That works for me, uh, but it doesn't have to work for everyone. And by no means, um, you know, Damon and I are pretty old. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Sorry, dude. But, you know, we're older. And back then we didn't even have the Internet when we got sober or they did, but we didn't have it. And so I, I recognize that there's all these new ways to connect. And as long as you're doing it every day, you know, I journaled prolifically for years and years and about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, I just couldn't do it for a while. I just couldn't do it. And so it's it's an it, our disciplines are ebb and flow based on what we have going on. And as long as somebody knows you, then, you know, and you're working with somebody and showing up and being honest, as honest as you're being with yourself, the better. Uh, Irwin, did I hear that it was your birthday today? Is it your anniversary? It's my birthday. Not birthday. Um, she yeah, us. 42. <laughs> Happy so, birthday. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm having a good day. A lot of people have reached out and that's been fun and I appreciate it. Um, I just happened to check on Facebook and one of my counselors from summer camp years ago posted this picture of us from 1992. That was cute and fun to see. But um, anyways, um, my sober week, I've really been working hard on um, letting go and not being in control because as a recovering codependent, um, control is a big one for me. And even with my birthday, I've been doing that. Um, usually I'm very like, I want these people there. We're going to eat this, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this year I've kind of just been like, whatever about the whole thing. Um, and a friend invited me to meet up with her tonight if I'm able to. And I think I'll probably do that. And then, um, Wednesday I'm going to be getting together with my family. My family has a lot of celebrations, starting with my birthday, ending with my father, with Father's Day. We have mom's birthday, parents' anniversary, my dog's birthday, and Father's Day, all in about a, you know, two and a half week period. So we're going to kind of combine some of those this year. And I realized, like, you know what, I just, like, I don't want 
not that I don't want to participate. I do want to participate and I want to be there, but I do not want to be the organizer. I do not want to be the one to do everything. So um, it was decided Wednesday night is the best night for everybody. And I said, I don't care what the menu is. Just tell me what time to show up and I'll be there. And that's all I'm going to do. And I'm actually feeling really good about it. And that's something very different for me. Um, thinking back to last year, like I made the flower arrangements and set the table and like did everything. And it was, it was nice, but it was exhausting. And so um, this year, it's nice to just have let go and just let things be. So um, I appreciate y'all giving me the space to share. Thank you so much, Erwin. That's great. And happy birthday to you. Go ahead, Christina. I was just say, I love that. I, I too have gone through that um, where I've had, and I think this is one of the great things about being in recovery uh, in several years in is you can look back and actually see, oh my gosh, I this is no longer pulling me. I don't need to have control over this. I'm enjoying it and taking life as it comes and having those marked anniversaries or birthdays are so important so important and i'm really glad that you came in and shared and let us you know wish you a happy birthday 42 is going to be an amazing year for you i just know it thank you cat hi good morning hey good morning sorry i was trying to get to the room um went down a rabbit hole there but I just wanted to jump up and say happy birthday to Erwin because um she's been such an incredible support and it's just one of those friendships I never would have thought I would find on this app like when I first downloaded it and it's just really turned into something beautiful and um I just absolutely adore you and appreciate you Erwin so happy birthday um but yeah, what's been going on for me is, um, you know, I've been getting back into program and getting, you know, leaning into it, going to like four meetings a week and just staying busy, picking up commitments and, you know, being a little bit more active with sponsorship and whatnot. But um, what I've been getting a lot lately is like, my my fellowship is pretty aware of what's been going on in my personal life um since me and my now ex are in the same home group um yeah they they know what's going on so uh, what i've been getting a lot lately is like wow you're you seem like you're really doing well with all of this and um like a part of me wants to be like girl like you have no idea how much pain i am in like <laughs> You do not see me sobbing into my, like, Taco Tuesday tacos, like, or, you know, but, like, that's such a cool thing because I can be going through hard things today and not let it affect other areas of my life, and that's something I was never able to do. Um, so, yeah, last night, um, the topic was the resentment inventory, and... Um, I finished my Al-Anon steps a couple days ago, so it's been a while, it's been like two years since I did a thorough fourth step, um, out of the big book, and when I was sharing on resentments, I can feel those resentments burning in my chest, and I'm like, oh man, 
like I need a I need to do one of these. <laughs> um, in fact, I need to be doing my 11th step or some kind of daily check. But, um, you know, I feel like you guys were talking about journaling. I just started journaling again a couple days ago. And I was really scared to journal because I didn't know. I didn't know, like, what wounds would be opened or what parts of myself would spill out onto the page, and um, I was afraid to look, right, look at that, and um, I don't know, it's, I think it's more dangerous to be scared to look at what's going on inside yourself than, like, actually having the courage to just be hurt, you know, <laughs> and, like, let the healing start, um, I don't know. That's where I'm at. So thank you for having me up here. Happy birthday, Erwin. I love you. It that You're right, Kat. It does take an insane amount of courage to be willing to look at where we are and what we're feeling. And, uh, you know, it took me a long time to get there. Uh, I, I didn't all, I didn't really know my protective self, the parts of me that had disassociated and kept me away from the pain or the anger, the incredibly codependent parts of me that were, were more than happy to put my needs behind somebody else's needs because I wanted to feel safe or, or whatever. Um, it took me time, uh, but you've been uh, so generous with sharing your recovery program and um, showing us what it looks like to walk through, you know, things that no, nobody wants to walk through uh, in recovery and staying sober. So uh, I really appreciate that you're coming, you coming up here and just continuing to share. And um, yeah, that, that fourth step for people who are in a 12 step, that fourth step gets a really bad rap. Um, but there's a lot of healing in it. And when you said, you know, feeling that resentment, um, I went through a little mini of this last week, which is why the takeover happened. Um, I had somebody reach out to me who had treated me incredibly poorly. Um, and it, it broke my heart when they did it. And there was a separation and they reached out kind of casually because they're back in town wanting to have coffee. And there was a part of me that just wanted to have coffee with them. You know, like, oh, good, I can put this away. I don't have to deal with it. You know, oh, wow, we can have reconciliation. And won't that be amazing? Because I truly love this person. But, um, or, and recovery also means that I take an inventory and I use discernment about what is best for me and what is, you know, what is me showing that I that I'm important and that respecting my boundaries. And this person hadn't alluded to any kind of, remorse or even acknowledgement of their behavior and their behavior was I mean the police almost got involved because they were you know in in recovery there's a lot of pain and sometimes people can't hold back their pain and so um, I because this person reached out to me I had to start thinking about that time and what I realized was that I have to do some more work on it um, and that kind of sucks, but it's so much better than pretending that all is forgiven and we've moved on. You know, I realized, oh, there's still a part of me. And, you know, this is six years later or seven years later, it still has to be dealt with. And so I can now look at that little 
exchange last week and say, okay, that's a gift. I don't like it. I don't want to do it, but I can still do it. And so I, I just love that you share those parts of yourself because I think that it's in, it is very important to know uh, when you start a recovery program or in a recovery program that we can walk through these things sober. Yes, absolutely, Kat. I, you said so many things there that I'm also working on as well. Um, you know, one of the things that I love what you said is that you could go through this, but you can also go along with your life, right? And that is such a great comment. Like, I just pulled that one out. Like, I, I love that because, you know, thinking back, especially also in early recovery, but before I got in is that that whole thing would absorb you, right? And that that is where you would be for a long period of time. And you couldn't really do anything else than that. And the ability to be able to make that discernment is really amazing. So I applaud you for that. Uh, Patrick just came to stage. How you doing, Patrick? Hey, Patrick. Hi, Damon and Christina. How are you? Hope you're doing well. I'm currently sitting in a, um, a courtyard outside my university here uh, in my city and just enjoying the weather a little bit. Um, you know, not, not going through the best time personally right now. Um, just feeling a lot of uh, challenges. But um, it's good to be here with, with you all and share space um, you know I think that we all have different things we're going through in our personal lives you know for me right now that it has to be you know just this long COVID um, symptoms um, which I, I've been talking about for way too long now sometimes they go away and sometimes they come back but you know being in recovery um, and you know having to use different tools to to ease the pain is you know is a different path than than some people take um, when they're going through a hard time but you know i woke up this morning feeling better than i did last night so that's one thing that i i know is is good about the way i'm, I'm handling things these days um so yeah it's good to be in nature i'm sitting under a tree right now you know, I've got cars driving by, which, you know, when, when you have these symptoms that I deal with, it's like a heightened anxiety and you, the sounds are just very irritating. And, um, you know, sometimes people are irritating too. That makes it tough, you know, if you have family or friends that care about you, but just for some reason they just come off in the wrong way. You know, it's so hard to explain, you know, how you can feel so uh, irritable about about such a variety of things. So, um, you know, I had my fourth vaccine, vaccine on Friday, um, and I don't know if some of this is like as a result of that, you know, kind of like after effects, or just dealing with like, you know, the state of the world. So I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, balance between staying engaged with, you know, what needs to be done and, and, and playing a part and, and moving things forward while also staying centered and realizing that, you know, I can't fix everything, um, you know, I can't change everything. And, you know, there's a matter, there's a certain amount of acceptance that has to happen there and, and 
inner peace and inner poise. So I'm searching for that balance, and it's good to be here with you all today in, in part, as part of that. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Patrick. Um, yeah, I, I did a volley Sunday uh, just about the daily drink on Sunday was just about dealing with difficult people. And, um, you know, sobriety does not protect you from that. <laughs> you know, Christine, I know you, you and I discussed that a lot. There's just, there are just a lot of difficult people out in the world. And, um, you know, sometimes I'm good with that sometimes I'm not good with it, right? Like it just really depends. It really just depends where I'm at in the day. Sometimes I really lose my patience with it. And it's very, very, very difficult. You know, the other thing that you mentioned too is just this, this, this feeling of being in a strange place, like disconnected almost like, but connected at the same time. You know, I find that this world we're so hyper-connected and we have so many options and there's so much information going on. And listen, the world is in a really weird place right now. It's just, uh, I think people can feel it, you know? I've talked with friends and family and they go, man, it just feels like something's going on, right? And, I, you know, I used to kind of ignore that. I, I pay attention to that. I think people in recovery are more sensitive than we'd like to give ourselves credit for. Like, we're a sensitive lot of people. And I think that's one of the reasons why we, you know, drank, used drugs, you know, ate, uh, gambled, you know, all this other kind of stuff. We're, because we feel things, you know. I remember when somebody said, "What was your, what is your goal, Damon, in recovery?" and or "What was your goal with drinking?" I said, "I just wanted to not give a shit. I just felt like I cared way too much, right? Like about everything, and that is hard, you know. That is hard, you know, Christina." One of the things I want to talk about today is something that I've been looking at a lot, which, you know, I've been talking for the last couple of years about this whole consciousness thing about, you know, I know people have this, you know, about getting conscious, like this whole being aware of mindfulness in the day, in the, in throughout their day. And I think it's so, so important, but, you know, I find that sobriety really sobriety is this consciousness that you're moving into, right? Like I talk about that a ton because I, I think that the key is to try to hold that consciousness as long as you can. And I'm going to tell you in the beginning, I remember when I got a glimpse of that consciousness and the actions that happen through 12 step groups, the actions that happen through therapy, you know, peer support, whatever coaching, whatever your path might be. I believe gives you a glimpse of that consciousness, right? And I remember when I started to get this glimpse of this consciousness and it wasn't when I decided to get sober, right? It wasn't because honestly, I just saw that other people were able to do it and I knew that I had to make this decision and I didn't want to, but I then got a glimpse of the consciousness after that. And for me, I think, when I look at, especially in the whole sober coaching thing, and I know Christina, you and I talk about this a ton, is that what, what is that demarcation line? How do people get it? Or how do people live their best recovered life, right? And I, I really, I've thought about this a lot. And it is the ability to be able to hold and get back into that consciousness for uh, throughout a, a series of time, right? 
we were talking on the Recovered Life show uh, today, Christina, about how, you know, about happiness and about all these different topics. It all has to do with being able to tap and get into that consciousness. And that consciousness is in the here and now. That's where it resides. It doesn't reside in the past. It doesn't reside in the future. It doesn't reside in magical and wishful thinking. It resides in the presence. And in the, in, in the present is the most uncomfortable place for alcoholics. The present is exactly where we don't want to be. But yet that is where the solution resides. I know, Christina, you and I have discussed that a lot. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I, <clears throat> I wanted to first say, Patrick, your, your description of how you're feeling, I've, I've, have felt that um, certainly many, many times, even last week, I felt that. I understood where everything kind of hurts um, in the nervous system. I talk a lot about that, but you brought up something that I think will tie into what Damon just shared, and it's acceptance. Um, and I agree with you, um, Damon, I didn't come to a consciousness that right away in recovery. All I was looking for was to stop hurting myself and stop falling down drunk and stop blacking out. Um, but I remember seeing glimpses of it in people. And, you know, t uh, 25 years ago, there wasn't this same kind of awareness. We didn't have language for what... Um, for what I think we have now. We didn't have it available to us then. It wasn't, you know, people weren't thinking about the joy of, uh, I should say some people weren't thinking about the joy, but you know, for me that demarcation is when I just started to accept um, that everything that was happening in my life and everything that had happened in my life was, uh, I don't, I hesitate to even say this because I don't want people to think I'm saying it's okay that you were abused, but everything in my life was going to be okay. You know, that it was okay. And that's been a struggle for years. And unless I'm in the here and now, I can't feel that at all. You know, I, I can go back to history. I can start figuring out the ties and the dotted lines to why I have a, you know, my nervous system reacts to a certain thing. I can do a lot of healing, but I cannot live my life and, and gain true joy from it unless I'm in this moment. Um, it would be, you know, like there's that joke as a codependent, you, somebody else's life flashes before your eyes when you die. <laughs> if you don't get it and you don't address it, and that would have, that would have definitely been the case for me. And so... The here and now takes practice. Uh, it takes getting used to being uncomfortable and, and also just accepting that everything that's happening today is supposed to happen like it is. And, and that is a hard concept to get uh, when things aren't going the way that I would want them. It's a hard concept for me. But um, I keep working on that and I can just see little glimpses of that being true, you know, like if you a fisherman, you see the fish fly, I can just see little glimpses of that, that, that this was my path, um, that those were the parents I was supposed to have, that my son's journey is his journey. And I could see little bits of it, which bring me acceptance. 
Um, but if I'm going to live my best recovered life, I've got to live it in the here and now. And uh, so I, I believe that you're exactly right, Damon, on wanting to not be in the here and now. Uh, you know, that was definitely my goal uh, because the here and now, I just couldn't handle it. I just couldn't handle it. Um, you know, Patrick, when you were sharing about people, uh, that was one of the things that kept me drinking heavily was just, I just wanted to be able to breathe. So, um, you know, I've shared before my alcoholism was from the, the phenomena of craving happened immediately, but, it, but my um, sobriety, my recovery is, um, has, you know, had to be for many, many other things than just alcohol. And it all has to do with staying in the moment. Absolutely. You know, this, uh, you know, I was just thinking back, I had a discussion with somebody and we were talking about people that were in our lives that were having problems staying sober, right? And I, I do believe that it is this consciousness that you're pulled into. And when you, the group is a big part of that, right? Like, so I, you know, I personally believe, and I think Christina, you do as well. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I don't believe that ultimately, if you come in, you're an alcoholic or you're a codependent or you have any addiction issue that's on that line, that the, the group itself is going to be the solution for long-term sobriety just solely the group. I, I, I don't believe that because I've, I've seen it over the years, but I believe that the group is an essential part because I do believe that people could hold the consciousness for the other people and it wears out. Consciousness could be very contagious. So when you're around a lot of people that have that consciousness, you tend to go to that consciousness, just like if you're around people who are negative uh, difficult people, you know, Patrick, you said that so well, like my volley this morning was all about negative people. It's like, it's, if I'm around a lot of negative people, if I'm around a lot of, it's not going to work, the world is ending. I absorb that and that becomes my consciousness, right? But if I'm around people who are playing full out, people that are in recovery, people that are doing the work, I start to absorb that. Now to maintain it on your own, without the group always being there because the drink it's not going to come when you're sitting in your home group meeting it's not going to come when you're sitting in your therapist's office or talking with your coach the drink and the person the codependent relationship and all this stuff that's going to come when you're not there right so to hold that i believe you have to do the work you have to do the independent work the group itself is not going to be able to get you through long-term in my opinion. What's your thoughts on that, Christina? Yes, eventually, eventually, I mean, and there are still some days where the group is, is what keeps me in, you know, like there are still some moments like I go to, I don't want to let down people and not show up at my home group. And sometimes that still works, but no, in order to truly gain, I think the recovery that we need, um, we have to kind of kneel, you know, dig down deep and start being willing to be vulnerable and to be known 
and to share, you know, the parts of us that we don't like. I, I don't like, you know, being frustrated by other people. I want to be more powerful than that. I don't like, you know, sharing that I'm angry about something that happened seven years ago. Uh, that's my ego. Uh, there's part of me that wants to present as fully recovered, whatever that looks like, and I got it all together, and, you know, I'm always in uh, gratitude, but I'm not. I'm just not, and so uh, I have to keep working, and because I have to keep working, there's a gift every day in recovery, and um, and the group is a huge part of it because the group helps me to interrupt uh, some some really dangerous thought processes, but they are not the, the only thing. Eventually I have to be willing to look at myself and know who I am, especially my codependency recovery. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. You know, it's shocking to me. I was kind of beating myself up yesterday, just a little insight. I was working around the house this, this weekend and I was working in my backyard and things through the winter had just become really kind of disheveled. So I was really working at trying to kind of get this goal done to just get it completed so we could enjoy the backyard in the summer. And um, somebody had said something to me a week ago. Well, it was probably like on a Thursday or Friday, right? And it was not, you know, this person that said this, I don't believe they were out to get me or they weren't trying to do anything to me individually. They were just they were just kind of a wounded person, but they said something and it pissed me off because I felt that they were trying to kind of undermine or demean a friend of mine, a friend's success. And I will tell you, Christina, I had a conversation with myself about that uh, for two hours on Sunday. I realized that I was doing things, but in the back of my mind, this conversation with this person about what I would say to them and if I had the opportunity and what I think of them and what I think that they meant by saying it and all this other stuff. And I remember saying, this is crazy. It was almost two hours. I was like, why am I still thinking about this? Like I could be listening to music. I could be watching a YouTube video. I could be just enjoying the, the, the here and now. Why am I like, thinking about this for two hours. This is such a waste of my time. Now, keep in mind, I'm not just sitting in a chair thinking about it, I'm doing things, but it's taking up my emotional space, right? And this is the whole thing where I was out of the consciousness. And for me, I was like, okay, I gotta get back into where I reside and thrive. I can't spend this is ridiculous. And I was like, I finally, I was just laughing at myself. And I was like, going, this is so stupid that this is absorbing all of my time. And, you know, for me, I had to sit for a second. I had to pull myself back into the consciousness. And for me, it was like, okay, in the here and now, everything's good. Gratitude we talk about pulls me back, right? It gets me back to where I need to be so that I can then actually be productive and happy. Yes, absolutely. And uh, a little grace goes a long way. Um, when I find myself in a ruminated space, uh, which I have to say, it happens less than it used to. Um, and I catch myself 
going down that that rabbit hole of anger or frustration, I I have learned that you know my first thought may be negative toward myself, but my second thought is gonna it's gonna, I'm gonna get through it a lot quicker if I can just accept this very human part of me, and you know often sharing it with somebody else helps to interrupt that that you know the the power of those words and the power of those thoughts sharing it with somebody else if i if i can't do it myself sharing it with somebody else which is why i do think peer support is so important allows my brain to be like okay you can step back from this and i can become the thinker of my thoughts and not my thoughts and uh, i think that's what you're saying when you say consciousness absolutely Absolutely. You know, because I can go there and the next thing I know, it's two to three hours. And this is in the back of my mind. Right. And like, I don't want to do that. I want to be free. Right. Like we didn't get into recovery uh, so that we would be trapped. Right. And being stuck in resentments or thoughts or conflict with people puts me right into a place that I don't want to be. Yeah, totally. Totally all of that. I absolutely agree with you. And, um, and so that's that whole process of interrupting and starting something new and just having a little willingness to believe that maybe what I'm thinking right now isn't 100% the truth. Maybe there are other parts that explain it. That's very helpful to me. Absolutely. You know, and I think the other thing, too, is dealing with these difficult people. And we're going to do, you know what, Christina, we need to do an episode just about dealing with difficult people. Uh, we did one kind of, but we need to do like a part two, because I think this could be a 50 part series of how to deal with negative or, you know, difficult people. But I think also, too, is to remember back, um, you know, sometimes when I've been wronged and people come back into my life or I come across them and they make an attempt. My initial is, is just like scorched earth. It's like, you know, you had your chance, that's it, blah, blah, blah. But you know, it's funny in recovery, I've learned, I, th I think back and I said, you know what, have I ever been that person? Have I ever been the person that said something that was unkind and didn't make up for it? Yeah, I have been. Have I ever been the person who caused drama? Yes. I've been the person who did it. Have I ever been the person who's caused conflict? Yes. And to start to relate. Now, it doesn't mean that I need to take unhealthy actions in the present, right? But it does mean that I can relate and have compassion and empathy for what that person's gone through, right? One of the things that's great about recovery is if you're a transformation junkie, recovery is for you because you see people who make 180s in life, right? And that's an amazing thing. Now, it doesn't mean that it's your best, it's, it's, it's your best life or the best move to be able to do things with them now. But what I've found is to be able to have compassion, to understand it's just like, I know what it's like to screw up. I know what it's like not to make the right decision. I know what it's like to live with things that I've done that weren't the right decision. And I'm gonna have compassion here instead of scorn. So good, absolutely. Wow, it's already 10 o'clock. Thank you, Damon. Thank you. Uh, so guys, we're gonna end the, the discussion here. Um, Christina, final thoughts here on the day? 
Oh, just everybody stay connected, stay connected, do the best thing that you can do for yourself um, in the moment. And before you know it, we'll have some insight on why things are the way they are. So thank you, everybody, Chelsea, Irwin, Kat, Patrick, for coming up and sharing part of your recovery journey. We do this together here at The Recovered Life, and I so appreciate your time and willingness to be vulnerable with us and uh, have a beautiful day. Yeah, it absolutely makes it, guys. And also, we'd like to announce something exciting that Christina and I have been working on. Uh, Christina and I are going to be partnering in a six-week breakthrough. We call it Recovery Breakthrough. It's a six-week transformation concierge coaching package that we focus on a thing in your recovery or a thing in your life. And in six weeks, we have a transformation. Christina, do you want to tell people a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So you will get both of us um, once you've determined. And if you're struggling with how how to determine what you need a breakthrough from, we absolutely invite you to get on a call with both of us. And it's like saying, you know, it's like making an investment in yourself. Um, and you will you'll get a full recovery plan with resources so you don't have to go out and look for them yourself. Uh, both Damon and I have over 50 years of sobriety and recovery in other areas. And uh, then we kind of walk you through it daily for six weeks. So uh, it's really exciting, a little different than some of the coaching that I do with people on an individual basis. But you will have the power of, um, of both of us. Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm so thrilled about doing this because, you know, Christina, you and I look back on our life and we said, if we could create, I hate to use the word shortcut because I don't believe there are shortcuts in recovery, but if we could avoid a lot of the pain that we went through and the searching that we went through and just was given a clear path, because, you know, when we both got sober, a lot of the things that we talk about now, trauma, um, codependency, uh, relationships, um, you know, how to make good choices, meditation, all of this stuff. It wasn't as easy to get access that then, right? And over the years of, you know, both you and I have over 50 years of continual sobriety. And one of the things that that gives you is experience losing, right? I always say that it's just like, I've lost yes. more than I've won, but I've stayed in the game. So I, I'm, I'm victorious, right? And this is really the key with Recovery Breakthrough because We've really found a way. It's like, how do we move people in six weeks in an area of their recovery that might be stagnant? They might feel that it's not really rewarding. How do we move them in six weeks into a place of victory that they're feeling great and that they've really accomplished something? Yes, it's like an intense study on recovery. Absolutely. So guys, we invite you to take advantage of that. You can find out more about Recovery Breakthrough at recoveredlife.us. That's recoveredlife.us. Thank you guys so much for joining us today on the discussion. And uh, please join us for the future discussions coming up this week at 9 a.m. Monday through Thursday at 9. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.